This message was recorded at North 2011, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. Excellent. Well, it's great to uh, welcome you here this afternoon. My name's Steve, and I get John to introduce himself in a moment. I'm from uh, Jubilee Church in Hull. I've been there for five years now, previously in Middlesbrough, and then before that in Brighton, which is where my accent's from. Well, I hope you've come to the right seminar. You'll find that you can answer that question at the end. Uh, We're looking at the whole issue of cross-cultural mission. And John and I aren't incredible experts on issues. I know we've got people here who've done degrees in it. We haven't. Uh, We don't know loads and loads about different cultures or religions, but what we do is we love to witness. We love to be a witness to people. We uh, love to tell people about Jesus. And inevitably, because of that, we love to witness in cultures other than our own. It's quite interesting. On Friday night, I was in the big barn and saying hello to people and trying to remember what people's names were. And an old friend uh, came up to me, Dimitri, and he greeted me. We chatted. We, we, we talked. And it reminded me of his wedding. I actually married him and his wife. And it was at his wedding, I was sat down, and I just turned and speak, spoke to a guest. And he was an Asian man, and he appeared pretty nervous at this wedding. And he'd explained he'd only actually met the bride a couple of weeks before at an exercise class. And she'd invited him to come to the wedding ceremony. And he said he was really nervous about coming into a church building. So we chatted a bit about it, and then I chatted to somebody else. Well, at the end of the, the marriage ceremony, as we're having tea and coffee together, he came up to me and he said how much he enjoyed the talk I'd given about marriage and how welcomed he'd felt in the church building. And he said this, At the mosque, no one talks to me, and the man talks are boring and not very relevant. I felt so welcome today. Thank you for talking to me. I thought I wouldn't be welcomed in a church as a Muslim. Can I visit your church? Can I come on Sunday? So there's Julie, who's the bride, invites an Asian to a wedding. And by just being friendly, and as a result, this man, young man, was now open to the gospel. That's cross-cultural mission. Now, the wedding was great. The groom was Russian. Now, I'd led him to Christ after his other friend, Francis, had invited him to our church. Francis had previously led to Christ, and he was Ugandan. So a Ugandan man becomes a Christian, invites a Russian who comes to Christ, marries an English woman, who then invites an Asian Muslim to her wedding service, and he's open to the gospel. That's why I love cross-cultural mission. <laughs> That's in one, one hour service, all that happens. And cross-cultural mission, what it is about is sharing our faith with somebody from a different culture from our own. Now, this afternoon, I hope John and I can share with you some of our own experience, our stories, which can help you in your context. So I'll let John introduce himself and tell us a bit about different cultures. Okay. Um, um, hello. I heter John, and I come from Norway. I am gift. I also have two bands, Joshua or Hannah. Joshua are uh, or and Hannah are uh, two or. Anybody got any idea what John was saying? Oh, you got a bit. Well, tell us what you understood of that. Yeah? 
Yeah, and where's he from? Norway. Great, so you understand a bit of it. Excellent, John. Is he? Do you understand? <laughs> a little bit. His Norwegian's getting good. Excellent, John. Tell us a bit about culture. Um, well, um, the reason why I started with that uh, Norwegian language is just because we're talking about cross-cultural. And how do you feel when I was talking? When I was talking, you're kind of thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Um, but part of that introduction. Anyway, um, someone defined culture as the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. I also said that is the attitude and behavior uh, that characterizes uh, uh, that characteristics of a particular social group. In other words, this is something that people, uh, the way that people think, the way they behave, the way they, they do things. And we see that often when we talk about, um, about cross-cultural mission, first thing that comes to our mind is maybe going to Norway or going to India or going to Africa. But I want to bring you home uh, to say to begin by saying that culture is something that starts with a personal culture. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed that we all have a personal culture. What I mean by that, there is the way that you like to do things. And it's all often different from the way other people do things. Uh, when we walked in here, uh, Steve wanted to rearrange the seats because he often likes to see certain ways. And you may have noticed in your house that the way you put certain things is not the way your wife likes to put it. All right, that's good. Or the way you, your wife puts certain things is not the way you put them. That's, it's called personal culture. This is the way I do my thing. And often that could cause a problem in marriage relationship. Because what we fail to understand is that I have my way of doing things, she has her way of doing things, and we have to come to terms and create a new culture and do things differently. I say this from my own personal experience because uh, my wife is from Bristol, I'm from originally from Africa, and coming from Africa, my, our way of thinking is different from the British way of thinking. Our way of doing things is different from British way of doing things. One of the things that we did, because uh, we met in South Africa, which was very good for us because we didn't meet in England, uh, we didn't meet in Nigeria where I come from, we met in South Africa, which was another culture in itself. And so what we did that when we started going out was that we, we talked about it and we said, okay, now we understand that there is a way you, I, I said, we you understand there are ways you like to do things. There's a way I like to do things. What we need to do as we are about to get into this marriage relationship and we want it to last, what we need to do is to talk about how we like to do things. And then out of that, we will create a new culture that we will live by. And so that's my first point is that to understand that when we talk about culture, we all have personal culture. And also there is a family culture. If you notice that there's a way you do things in your family, it's not quite the same. The other families do that. And also, beyond that, you, you see there is also what they call community culture. This is the way people who live in this area does their thing. And then there is a national culture. This is the way the British people or the Africans do their own thing. Now, it is wrong it would be wrong for someone to think because you come from England that everyone behaves like you. 
is wrong. Because you have to know there's a personal culture, there's a family culture, there's a community culture, and then there's a national culture. Even at that, they are not always the same. Because we're all different. And also because we, we have sin that has marred the nature of God in us, then sin makes it even more difficult for us to be able to adapt to different cultures. And I also, as a matter of... Uh, uh, introduction as well. I also want to say there is also a church culture. If you if you understand that, uh, if you lived in the south and then you move to the north or move the other way, and you find that the way the church is is arranged or they do think is quite different to what you are used to. Now, often uh, people struggle. I, I say this. I hope that God help us uh, and help you today to get something out of this because uh, this was freedom for me even when I got married, that for me to understand that what I, what I may consider to be a problem may not be a problem, but just a cultural thing that I need to do some, just, uh, do some kind of uh, cultural adjustment, new cultural adjustment in order to belong or adapt to a situation that I find myself in. And so there's a church culture as well. And um, I'll give it over to you to and then I'll come back yeah. again. So church culture is an interesting one, isn't it? If you think about your church uh, on a Sunday. Now, I recently, uh, say over a year ago, uh, joined a political party. Actually, it was probably two years ago. And I went to a political meeting, and it was in a house, a very posh house. And there was a way of doing things when I went into that place. Nobody spoke to me. It took a while for that to happen. Uh, they had the meeting. They talked to it in a language I didn't really understand about political issues. And then this silver teapot appeared on the table. And I thought, what on earth is that silver teapot for? And we had tea and coffee. And then I realized people were putting money in the silver teapot. That was the donation thing to pay for the tea and coffee. And I had absolutely no idea what it was about. And I went away feeling, my goodness, this was really unfriendly. And then I thought about our church culture. Now, hopefully our churches are a bit more friendly than that. But we do things in church culture which are very different that people don't understand. But then when you go into other churches, I've been into certain churches. So I was in an, another nation last year. And the big discussion we had in that church was about what you're meant to wear on a Sunday. Now, we used to have that in our nation. We used to wear a, a suit and a tie. But in this African nation... They couldn't quite understand why we said you don't need a shirt and a tie. Now, they'd only ever warn them because they had American missionaries that came and told them this is how you do church. And one of the things you have to do for church is wear a shirt and a tie like us on a Sunday. So everybody was turning up in hot African sun, tight with their shirts and ties on because they thought that was the culture. So culture can be something that we try and transport and transpose, which isn't necessarily always right. The thing about cultures is, I believe that God loves all different cultures. As John started off, we, they are, can be marred by our wrongdoing, by sin. I mean, you just look at the diversity that God's created. Look at the animals, look at the all different insects that are in your tents and caravans right now. Different species, look at the different plants. There's such diversity, such colours. And even through the marring of sin, there's still that creativity, that diversity in different cultures. And God loves that. And what we want to help you do is, okay, how are we going to help break into different cultures? 
and how are we going to help change culture as well. Now we've got a lot to cover and we haven't got, we've only got till four o'clock. So we're just going to paint some brush strokes for you as we continue. But we're going to have questions and answer at the end, which I hope uh, will help you uh, in that. So, John, why don't you just begin to help us about yeah. culture? So, um, looking at the Bible, um, we, one of the things that you find is that God is intentional, uh, intentionally involved in cross-cultural uh, mission. It's one of the things that you find as you study the Bible. And one of the uh, main examples you find is in, in, uh, uh, in Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 to 20, where the Bible uh, talks about us going to the nations. That was Jesus' commission to us, the church. And he said that we should go to the nations to preach the gospel. And the, the thing is that God wants us to take the gospel beyond our culture, beyond, beyond what we are used to, to what we are not used to. And that could be very uh, challenging. But there are certain, uh, certain principles that we can learn from the life of Jesus. Because one of the things that you see as you open the, the book of John chapter 1 is that we see uh, uh, that Jesus... Uh, uh, crossed his culture to a new culture, which I will say one of the worst culture that ever existed, that the Bible tells us that the Logos became human and took on humanity and came to this world. Now, could you imagine how it would have been for Jesus? The culture shock. You know, some of us, maybe you've been to Africa somewhere and you just get shocked by certain ways they do things. Now, could you imagine the culture shock it would have been for the Almighty God to take on humanity and come here to see how we live, how we talk, how we deal with one another, how we, 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 we deal with the nature and all things. That would have shocked him. But the Bible tells us that he took on humanity to come to dwell with us. Why did he do that? I believe that he wants to show us example what it means to cross a culture to other cultures to do mission. You know, he came on a mission. You understand that? He didn't, he didn't come to enjoy, you know, the sunshine and all that. He came. He was a man on a mission. And so we see that, and, the, and if you go to Philippians 2, uh, the Bible tells us that he voluntarily emptied himself of who he is, if you like, in order for him to take on humanity to come to us. So the first thing we see, uh, if you will, is that there is a voluntary, um, uh, that, that one has to voluntarily offer themselves to cross their culture to other cultures for that to work. Do you get that? Yeah, the Bible said that Jesus willingly offered himself. Nobody coerced him. Nobody forced him. And I want to say this to us, that if you're going to be effective in cross-cultural mission or ministry, you have to be willing to voluntarily offer yourself to go, to give yourself, to cross your own culture. Now hear this. You have to make a conscious decision to say, I will cross my culture to reach the other person. I'll tell you one, um, one of the things in Norway where I 
we are now is that we've had so many people complain. They say, "Oh, Norwegians are very cold people. They don't talk to people. They don't. They don't. They don't relate to people." But I, I always say to them, "That is not true." You know why? Because many foreigners, when they come to Norway, they don't understand the culture there. Is that you don't talk to people. You don't talk to strangers. But if strangers talk to you, you talk to them. Did you get that? And so many people struggle. They're, many people struggle because they don't understand that I have to cross my culture to relate first before they can open up to me. And I'm telling you, Norwegians are more open than some of the English people I've met. Honestly. In a bus, you can chat to somebody in a bus, and they can tell you the story of their lives. I've never experienced it in four years I lived in England. They can tell you about their family. They can tell you their sins. They can tell you everything. But they have to be that. You have to step to their world before they open up to you. That's one example. And so the, what we see here is that Jesus himself, he, he voluntarily did that in order to reach to us. And the Bible tells us in Colossians 1.16, he tells us of who he is. He said he is God. But yet, he humbled himself. So what we see, the second thing is humility brings us to cross-cultural ministry. It helps us to be effective. If we are not willing to humble ourselves, if we are not willing to, to humble ourselves, we will not be effective in cross-cultural ministry. What does that mean to humble yourself? Does it mean that you have to put yourself down? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that sometimes you have to, uh, you have to go extra miles in order to get to the other person. Okay, I'll, I'll move on. So, in terms of humility, yeah. that can, that, I think it was great what Guy Miller was saying, uh, a bit provoking last night in terms of eat what's put before you. Because there's the humility is about doing that. <laughs> about saying, well, that's not my type of thing, that's not me. You know, so when I was in Zambia recently, you know, my biggest nightmare is fish. Don't mind fish and chips. What I don't like is fish with bones, and even worse is fish with eyes that look at you. And what was served up, the first meal, was a special treat of fish with eyes. And for me, I had to humble myself, <laughs> and humble my thinking, thinking, oh, I really don't like that, that's not me. That, you know, I'd rather just pretend, no, I, I ate everything, including the eyes. And there's something about that humility and not thinking I'm better than that culture. So I, find, I found that particularly when I moved from South to North, I'm from a very middle class background. Um, and moving first of all to Tisa and then to Hull, it was meeting people from a different culture than I. So I don't know if you've been into somebody's house where the TV's always on. You've done that? So you're trying to have a conversation and all you hear is the TV's on. And the first thing my mum taught me, if somebody comes round to visit, what's the first thing you do? Who's middle class here? What do you do? Turn the telly off, don't you? <laughs> and what? Brought the on. You should have done that before they come round, yes. <laughs> and uh, and what I, I found myself thinking, it's really bad that they've got the TV on, you know. I'm really uppity about it. And then what I've learned to do is actually, now wait a minute, that's culture. The TV's not on there to be watched. It's a background noise sometimes. It's just company. It's, 
It's just there in the background, not always watching it. So rather than think, you know, I remember the first time I went to somebody's house and I said, can we switch off the telly? And they, they, it was a total shock to them. What, what, what do you mean? And I, I, I suddenly realised at that point, I'm never going to say that again. The TV's on. It's at their home. Why should I tell them to switch off the television? That's the culture. Now, whether that's right or wrong that the TV's on is irrelevant. But if I'm going to reach the culture, that's the last thing I want. The other thing I learned in terms of culture, in terms of working with those from different background than myself is, because I'm from a middle-class background, I'll ask lots of questions, you know. You ask lots of questions, so, so, so what do you do? Are you working at the moment? You know, how long have you lived here? And what it can be from somebody from a more disadvantaged background, it can feel like an interrogation. <laughs> One thing I've learned about the culture of many who are poorer is that's not the way you relate. You don't ask loads of questions. You have a conversation, and maybe those things will come up. So I've had to humble myself and think, okay, no. I don't, I'm not going to, and I'm not going to expect them to ask questions of me. Because I often find that, you know, you want to have a two-way conversation sometimes. Now, you will get to the point with sometimes, but by crossing cultures sometimes, I've got to humble myself. I'm not there to talk about myself. I'm here to listen to this person. And that involves listening to the TV in the background. So be it. I want to cross the culture to reach them. Thank you, John. So Jesus himself, also, as we look at the Philippians 2, the Bible says that he... He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So the, the other thing we see in culture or across cultural ministry is that there is a place for sacrifice. There's a place for sacrifice. That's what Steve is pointing to us that sometimes we have to sacrifice in order to relate. Just to relate. We sacrifice. And I'll tell you one of my um, stories uh, later on that. Uh, but one of the things that we find, again, in the Bible is Paul himself. If you, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians uh, 9.22, he said, I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. He said, I'm doing this because I'm a man on a mission. Did you get it? Now, why am I doing it? Why am I sacrificing my liberty, my freedom, my joy to do this? I'm doing it for the salvation of the other person. And, and to be honest, there is nothing else that is more acceptable before God than when we sacrifice for the salvation of other people. And that's what it's all about cultural mission. And he also said, in 1 Corinthians 9.19, he said, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Now, in this context, I have to say that what Paul is not saying is that I just, I just yield myself to anything in order to win anybody. That's not what he's talking about, please. He's not talking about compromise. He's not talking about you, everybody uh, trampling on you, you becoming a fool, you know, that to win them. That's not what he's talking about. But I think that the point he's trying to make here is that sometimes you might find yourself in situations where you have to sacrifice to the extent that you feel that you're being used or abused. I'll give you one example. In uh, Acts 16, Paul takes Timothy to, to go and witness to the Jews. 
and and Timothy he was a he's a he was a Greek and and the Jews said we're not going to listen to you because this guy he's not circumcised. Now we're living in the New Testament. Circumcision is not we don't have to do it. We are living under grace. We don't have to do it. It has nothing to do with their salvation. And Paul got Timothy to be circumcised. Now could you believe that? Imagine you came to a camp like this and Steve says, you know what? You're in for circumcision, man. Now, can you believe that? This is New Testament. This is Paul. But for, for them to win, for them to minister to these Jews, now, this is a barrier for them. And this is not circumcision when you're like three years old or one year old. You know, It's like a full-grown man in pain. You know how long that would have taken. But yet, this young man was willing to do what? To sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Why? Cross-cultural mission. So we talk about sacrifice, I'm sure none of us have got to that extent of circumcision yet, but this shows us that this is the extent some of them went for the gospel. And that's so important in your own context to think about what is it that I have to sacrifice now. It might not be you're going anywhere. When I first went to move to Teesside, our heart was really to begin to reach the Muslims in our community. And it was a bit of a battle, to be honest, because the Alpha Course was what I call a northern buffet. A bit different than a southern buffet. A southern buffet tends to be a bit more salad. The northern buffet I discovered when I went to Teesside was pork pie, sausage rolls, cheese and bacon quiche, a few crisps, and rolls with ham on the top, and maybe cheese. And if you had a bit of salad on it, it was only because it had fallen off somebody else's plate. And, uh, and I, said, I said, look, we're here, to re- we want to reach Muslims. What is the one thing that will offend the culture of Muslims? It's pork. So I said to the people doing the buffet, uh, said, look, please, we can't have any pork, you know, because you know, we want Muslims to be able to come and feel comfortable and eat with us on the Alpha Course. Now, the Alpha Course is, a, is another thing that doesn't always work cross-culturally with Muslims, but that's another story. So, week one, buffet's out. I thought, fantastic, they've done really well. The pork pies are gone, you know, there's nothing there. I couldn't see any pork or ham on top of the rolls. And then I noticed some little pasty things. I thought, oh, great, that's good, cheese and onion or something. So I asked them what they were. They said, oh, well, it's, um, it's, a, it's a sausage pasty. Are you but sausage pasty, that's pork. You said, but you can't see it got pastry around it <laughs> and they said well it's going to be a dif- bit difficult to go without sausage rolls or anything like that so I thought that would be alright now it's a small thing but I said look for the sake of reaching Muslims we're going to have no pork I'm sure we can do without a northern buffet for a, just for a season let's not have any ham or pork and of course what happened as we did that what happened is Muslims started to come on our alpha course and get saved on our alpha course Somebody who came on our Alpha course with a guy from Afghanistan from an unreached people group. He was the first person to get saved in the whole of the world from that people group. Now, was it worth giving up sausage rolls for that? I thought so. Sacrifice is important. <laughs> so, so we, <clears throat> the identification, what we see here is Paul also um, 
uh, in that story I just told about Timothy is that he shows us that identifying with a culture is also vital in reaching cross-cultural mission, that you identify yourself with a group. In other words, what we see here is that Timothy, he, he circumcised himself to identify himself with these people. And that's also what uh, Steve talks about. But let me also draw a line there because there's a, con- a, a contrast in uh, Galatians chapter 2 where Paul takes uh, uh, Titus to another place to preach. And the people said, oh, he, you know, he's not circumcised. So he got to be circumcised. And Paul said, no, 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 this guy, we're not going to get him circumcised. Now, why did he do that? Because Paul knew that this is not a cultural problem there. It was more of these people, they're trying to use that as a theological problem to cause a problem. He said, no, we're not doing that. So what's my point? My point is this, that what we are not saying to you is to go and whatever the people do, identify yourself and do it. But you have to have discernment. You have to allow the Spirit of the Lord to lead you to know when to identify yourself and when not to identify yourself. Because identification with a culture doesn't mean compromise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we can compromise, it's so easy to compromise our faith or compromise what we believe in the name of cross-cultural mission. That's wrong. Okay. But, but there is a place of identification which gives the power to the gospel to reach the next person. Now I'll tell this story, then Steve comes in again. Um, when, I, when I started my missionary journey, uh, the first place, the first country I went to was Cameroon. And um, I went with this um, group of leaders from, I mean, I'm talking about uh, leaders, top, top leaders from different churches. Um, we went on this mission trip. And um, we, we drove from Nigeria to Cameroon. It took us two days, and we didn't find anywhere to buy food. So we were hungry. Really, really hungry. And then we come to a point, a place where we saw um, <clears throat> like a woman with a small uh, kiosk. I don't know what it's called here, but that she was selling food. And we were like, wow, food! And everybody was so excited. We all jumped out of the car, rushed into this uh, uh, canteen. And we said to the woman, give us food. And everybody ordered food. And they all put the food in. And we all sat at the table and people began to dig in. You know, we were so hungry. One of them said to the lady, um, wh- what kind of meat is this? And the woman went, eh, monkey. And some of those guys, they went, Argh! they were throwing up and, you know, it's like, Argh, monkey. And they were all like, and you know what? I, I, I didn't do what they were doing. I felt God said to me, eat it. I never ate monkey in my life. You know, the thought of it from where I come from then would probably freak me out. But I said eating the monkey. I was the only one. I ate all the food up, ate the monkey, and and then went to pay. (laughs) And the lady said to me, look at this. This This changed my life. She smiled at me and said, thank you for eating my food. And God spoke to me and said, out of all these people here, if you are to preach the gospel 
to this woman. Who do you think she will listen to? You know what? That changed my life. That changed my life. So when we talk about identification and sacrifice and all that, this is kind of little, little things. It could be something like this, but it can make a huge impact in the life of someone. Steve? Maybe a different story, you know, in terms of when we moved uh, to Hull. I don't know, one of the, the Christian cultures is not smoking, which is a good thing because addiction is not a good thing, is it? But we can have that in Christian circles. And uh, I don't know if you can do a Nigerian woman quite angry, can you? Can you do an impression? Because I usually try and do the impression of this Nigerian woman who, on one of the, f- the first Sundays, came to my church and she got her finger out. She was a pretty strong woman. And she said, there's too many people smoking us at the front of your church. <laughs> was, that, was that, how was that? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and uh, so, so I went back to the woman and I said, there's not enough people smoking outside the front of our church. Can I give you some details of another church you might want to visit? Why did I want more people smoking outside the front of the church? Because if I'm to reach the culture of Hull, one of the cultures, it's one of the, one of the places where there's the most people who smoke in the country. So if my church culture is very anti-smoking, and that's all we talked about and said, please can you go around the back, around the corner to have a fag? then actually I'm not going to reach that culture. So to cross that culture, so it's the first thing we did is when we got given our building, uh, which we got given about two or three years ago, we get, got given a church building to, to meet in. Um, and the first thing I did, I put up, was a smoking shelter. And uh, let's just say the religious didn't like it. But I wasn't doing it because I want to encourage smoking. I wasn't going to start selling cigarettes on a Sunday or giving them out, you know, with the tea and coffee. But what I wanted to do is create a culture where say you're welcome. You know, if you go to somebody's house who smokes, sometimes they do say, do you mind if I smoke? If you go, most people don't. They just lit up a cigarette. It's their home. And we're saying, this church is your home. You're welcome. Now, you can't smoke inside because it's against the law. And actually, I hate the smell of smoke anyway. But here we go. Just here is the shelter for you. You can sit on that chair and enjoy your fag. And that's just crossing culture. And it's saying you're welcome. And by doing that, we don't alienate people because the whole thing about culture and our culture and the things we like is it creates barriers for people for the gospel. And so when this Nigerian woman, religious woman, came up to me, what she was doing is being religious. There's too many people outside smoking a fag. So what happened when the little boy started throwing stones at our church? When we first started meeting, it was an Anglican church we were using. They started throwing stones at the church and our stewards didn't know quite what to do with them. And we're kind of trying to control them and shout at them. And, but what do they keep on doing? Throwing stones. I just went, Oi, you! And the kid stopped and said, Have you got a spare fag? This was the second week we were there. And he's like, All right, mate. I said, Can I have one of your cigarettes? And I lit it up and smoked it with him. And coughed my guts up later. But said to him, Would you mind not throwing stones at the window? Because it's not our building, we're trying to make it, we're trying to do something for the community. Is that okay? He said, that's fine, mate. We're off now. We won't, we won't disturb you again. What did I do? Cross into his culture. Was it, did God think I was really sinful having that one cigarette? No. But I crossed a culture to actually open him to the gospel. So this kid didn't have the Christian shouting at him, don't throw stones at our windows, you naughty kid. Go away. It was like, okay, I'm just having a cigarette with you. That was something that was acceptable to give me a cigarette.
So in kind of summary, <coughs> to remind you some of the things I said, and then I'm sure our time is kind of very short, and then I think it would be good to ask questions, and then we can share more with your, from your questions, is that we, we talked about the fact that there are principles that are very vitally important in terms of cross-cultural mission, and one of them is uh, uh, sacrifice. We talked about sacrifice, we talked about humility, we also talked about identification um, with a, cu a culture. And the other thing which I want to point as well is that if you, when you leave your culture to a different culture, or when you start to work in a different culture, one of the things that you find is that you, you begin to lose your own culture. I don't know if you understand that. Okay, I'll explain it in different ways. First of all, when you become a Christian, before you became a Christian, you were a sinner. And the Bible says, now you're a new man in Christ. Now, the reason why sometimes you struggle with your old life is because the culture you're used to before, you moved on from that culture. Does that make sense? And that's why sometimes you struggle because you're trying to find yourself. Sometimes you feel like you don't know who you are anymore because you're not the person that you used to be before. Now, what's happened is that you moved on from that old culture to the new culture. And one of the things I find personally, having lived in different countries since I left my country, is that I began to lose my own culture, which was a good thing. It's a good thing in the sense that if you are going to do a cross-cultural ministry, you have to lose your own culture in a way. And many people are not willing to do that. And I, I'll say this, that one of the reasons so many marriages are struggling is because the man and the woman are not willing to sacrifice their own personal culture. This is the way I do things. And it has to be that way or you're out. And then there is a clash. Now I want to challenge us on that. If that's the only thing I did today, to challenge you on that, that you... You can, you, can, you can bend down a little bit on that area of your life. Humble yourself. Be willing to sacrifice. If that's the only thing I communicate to you. That's fine. That you go out from here. This is not just about you going to India or Norway or any other place. But this is more home. You take it home. Take it to your house. Take it to yourself. Take it to the way you relate to people. There are people you say, that man, you never get along with him. What's the problem with him? Because maybe he's never thought about the way he relates, the way he does things, and he doesn't want to change. Not, not, not that you sacrifice it and you, don't, you lose yourself, but actually what you do, you gain more. I'm telling you honestly, uh, I'll say this, that uh, since I left my country and started working in other countries, I've found that I have changed so much from what I used to be before. And I have won so many people to the Lord because I was able to adapt to the new culture. That I can give you stories after stories. In Bristol, as a guy, a gangster, I went to his house. They told me, nobody goes to his house. Don't go. In Bristol, is uh, a very well-known killer. I went to his I knocked at the door. He said, why are you here? I said, well, I heard about you and I just come to say hello. He said, nobody ever done that. He said, come in, come in, come in, come in. 
I came in, I sat down, he was smoking all, all the hour. I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't cope with smoke, to be honest. But to be honest, I was dying. But I sat there. And I turned it to him. I'm telling you, that man gave his life to Jesus. I was willing to go into that place that smells like a rat's house. I wouldn't, naturally, I wouldn't do that. I'll tell you one more story and I'll finish. In Norway, we had a, a conference. It was a church leaders conference. And in that church leaders conference, there were lots of Africans there. And they, 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 they talked about the way Africans pray. They like to shout and pray loud and scream and shake. And so they said, all oh, the African leaders, come forward and pray for us. Teach us. We want to learn from you how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And uh, we all came up, lined up. And um, there, were, there were probably about 10, 15 of, of us. And they gave the microphone to the man. And he prayed, prayed so loud and shaky and all that. They just passed on the mic. And as the mic gets to me, I was shaking. You know what? While I was standing there, I said to myself, you know what? I don't belong here anymore. It dawned on me. I'm telling you honestly, I've never had that experience before. It dawned on me. I was scared. As the mic was coming down to me, I was scared that I would never, I don't even know how to pray like that anymore. So I felt like something is wrong. Something is not wrong. You see, when you lose something, you gain something for the sake of the gospel. Excellent. Thank you. I mean, John's summarizing so well and tells some stories of the whole thing about cosmic culture is also to love culture and one of the things I've learned and one of the things I've learned from from uh, John is to really love the culture that God's called you to and in and uh, so many people complain when they move I know somebody who's uh, well known in, in New Frontiers and when he, he moved to a place all he ever did was moan about it publicly on Facebook you know because I'm a Facebook person that's my culture and I thought that's just just not how you do things. You know, to adapt to the culture, you're positive about your place. When I went to Hull, everybody's so negative about Hull, particularly the people who live there. It's like, no, I'm going to speak positive about Hull. I'm going to love that culture. I'm going to love that city. You know, there's things I don't like about it. There's places I'd rather be at times. But God's put me in that culture with those people, and I'm going to love them and, and care for them. And it's the same for John as he goes to Norway. Does he complain all the time? And he's literally gone from the fire to the freezer, <laughs> from Africa to Norway. Does he spend his life moaning about how cold it is, how terrible the weather is? He doesn't. Why? Because he's, that's the culture God's placed in him. And that's just the weather. But if he always moans to Norway, oh, isn't this weather terrible? Isn't it cold? Or, you know, back in Africa, back in Nigeria, it's really warm this time of the year. Oh, isn't it terrible, you know, with British people, the rain or whatever it is. We complain about the culture. That's love our culture. You know, even how we communicate about our town, our city, our village, the people in them. God just wants us to, to love love our cultures as well. So we're going to open it now. We've got uh, 10 minutes left. Just for any questions, thoughts, your experience, particularly John's here. Hopefully he'll come back next year. But um, anybody got any thoughts or questions or maybe pick up things we said yes?
alpha is an issue for, for Muslims. They, the issue with, with the alpha course is uh, it starts off, uh, whatever we call it, uh, what it used to be is Christianity, boring, relevant, untrue, used to be week one. Uh, or there more to life than this, they've renamed it. The second week is who is Jesus. The biggest uh, problem for a Muslim is not the Bible, it's not prayer, it might not even be the Holy Spirit, although an issue, the biggest issue is Jesus. So with a Muslim, to start off talking about Jesus right away, we break the culture of putting up a big barrier. So sometimes the Alpha course isn't always the best way, and I know some of my friends do different courses or they've adapted the Alpha course if they're particularly doing it in a Muslim culture to start talking about things of a common ground, things that are common in the culture. Let's talk about the Quran, let's talk about the Bible, you know, let's talk about that level, let's talk about prayer, let's talk about relationship. At some point, of course you've got to come to Jesus, but if you start with Jesus sometimes it's right in your face and they don't come back. So that's, that's why. Okay, so the question is about Oslo. How, how's it affecting the recent tragedy? How's, how's it affecting the culture, people? Well, it hasn't. Um, well, it hasn't, as far as I know, it hasn't changed so much. Changed the cultures so much because the. The Prime Minister actually said that to the national TV that we will not allow this to affect our democracy. Norway is a very democratic nation and they hold so tight to that. And um, I mean, the relieving thing was that the guy who did this was Norwegian. Um, because when it happened, there was like, whoa, terrorism, you know, like, so everybody freaked out. I mean, I know one of my friends um, that they literally people were shaking like this and so but when they realized that actually it was one Norwegian that was screwed up everybody kind of calmed down so it hasn't changed anything so much but I'm sure it will change some things uh, you know there. It changed things in terms of maybe some of the security I mean literally yeah, yeah. in Norway you can go to the king's palace knock on the door almost. Yes in, in Norway we have such a freedom you can walk into the you can get to the garden, we go to the garden, the, the king's garden, we hang out there. You can even go to the door and knock at the door to say, can I see the king? They used to do that, but I'm, I'm sure now there will be a little security. But how that will affect the nation, I don't know. Okay, what well, excellent question. So you're looking, at, thinking about going to South Africa, thinking about your, South America, sorry, thinking about how does that affect kids, how are you going to prepare them, that kind of thing. Because right. you've got two kids. Yeah, <laughs> I think depending on their age, uh, really. I mean, if, like our kids, they were, they are two and four, so it wasn't so much a problem for us, um, because they were quite easily to, they easily adapt. And even my little boy, he says, uh, Daddy, you're African. Mommy, you're English. I am Norwegian. And that's what he tells us. Um, he said, I'm not English. I am Norwegian. And the little girl, he speaks Norwegian more than us. 
Um, so when they are little, you don't have any, you don't need to prepare them or anything. But if they are a bit older, just prepare them that you know f- about friendship. Like you're gonna leave your friends here when we go there. They have to actively make friends. I think that's the most important thing for them is friends. In fact, it's probably the only thing yeah. you find with with kids. I mean, I've moved. I've got a boy who's now eleven. We've moved twice. Once when he was a baby, that wasn't an issue. Uh, when we moved to Hull uh, on church planting, uh, he he screamed for two weeks going to school. He's in the year one of school. Every morning, cried. We had to drag him to school. It was awful, and you just had to go through that. But as he made friends and stuff, it was fine. <laughs> and it was difficult. Now you can't even remember it. You know, within two months, this is my home. But I think for kids, if you get as the kids get older, I think it is important. And I think the thing you've learned, John, is you just got to quickly adapt to culture. You've got to begin to change. You've got to learn the language. The amount of people that still go into countries and just hang out with English people, and just you know, you've got to learn the language and start learning it now. If you think about South America, start learning whatever it is—Spanish or Portuguese, whatever it is—and start talking it in the home. Start putting up labels on the fridge, even if you're not going to go. Start learning language. Put some labels on the fridge. This is what the fridge is in Spanish. This is what the, the Hoover's called in, you know, whatever. So begin to think about, and fun things for the kids to do activities. And in your own city town, you know, pray about God, open up the door for us to meet people from South America. You know, start hanging out with them. Say, look, you ask a South American family, probably, so look, we're thinking about moving there. Can you tell me about it? Can, can you come out for ours for dinner? Can we come to yours? You know, that's what you do. Start building relationships with people. Yeah. You'll find they love it, and you'll enjoy it, and you'll begin to learn. And even before you go, start learning about culture. Yeah. Can I add something to that? We didn't we didn't have time to talk about all those things, but language is very important. Even though you don't you wouldn't use it, but it's very important in terms of relational. Like in in Norway, you can get away with English. Everybody, almost everybody, speaks English, but we chose to learn the language. Because there is a, a, a level of communication that when you can speak the language, people accept you more than they will accept you. And like Steve said, don't hang out unless if you're called to reach out to English people living in South America. But I will advise, hang out with the locals. That will bless you. Brian. Yes, working with Muslims here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good question. How about a Muslim coming to faith, dishonouring the family culture? Can I just say a little thing about that? When we talk about um, culture, we need to understand that biblical culture exceeds all other culture. Okay. So every culture stands to be judged by the Bible. So any culture that <coughs> is, doesn't measure up to the standard of what the Word of God says that culture is not biblical, is not be accepted. And in terms of if somebody say they become a Christian, they honor their parents, that is quite biblical, because Jesus talks about you know that he actually said in one place, it's quite scary, that I came to bring division. That's <laughs> scary. That father will stand against daughters and daughters against. So that's quite normal. It's not a problem. It's more of a persecution issue than a cultural thing. But then what you need to do is that there is a, they have to respect them and honor them. But when it comes to their faith, 
Okay, I'll give you one example. There's a guy in the church where I worked for, uh, I was working. Uh, he's, a, he's a Muslim. He just became a Christian. Okay. And the dad said, you're not my son anymore. Okay. And he said, what do I do? I said, well, you didn't have to, you have two choices. Either one, you give up your faith and then become the son of your, your, your father. Or you can say, dad, I still love you. I am still your son. I'm keeping my faith. And I will still respect you and relate and, and give him time. Because he might come to faith as well. I mean, it's not an easy question, Brian, because it depends on the situation. I know certainly in the UK with Muslims it's a lot easier. Still not, still not easy, but it is easier. I mean, when I was with one of our New Frontiers churches in India, uh, one of the ladies, she was from a Hindu background, became a Christian. So every time she went to get water from the well, people would throw stones at her. <laughs> because they were rejecting her because she'd given her life to Christ. But she, you know, carried on doing that. I don't know what's happened to her now. Is she dead from being stoning? Is she more of the villagers being one to Christ? I don't know. But she was willing to stand for her faith in that context. So it's not an easy one. But I think the key thing that John said is it's biblical culture above every other culture. And we don't really know what that is in our, most of us in our Western culture. We have little understanding about persecution. Maybe one day we will. Who knows? But it is standing for Christ. There's a gentleman at the back there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, very good. Very good question. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. Excellent. That is, that is a brilliant question. It's one that we've beginning to tackle and tackled at times, in, even in Hull, because it's exactly the issue about alcohol. Same, similar thing in different cultures, what's good and not acceptable. So in our church, we've got a number of recovering alcoholics. So it's not helpful to have loads of church socials where there's alcohol, because they will exclude themselves from coming, or be under temptation from coming. But at the same time, British culture, or some of my friends... If they go out or go to something, what do they expect? <laughs> to have a, be able to have a drink or a glass of wine. be very unusual, countercultural. So what we've tried to do, particularly with the people that I know who are alcoholics in our church, and most of our church wouldn't know who they are because it's not, they don't advertise themselves, um, is that I will tell them what the event's going to be in advance. So I'll tell them this is going to be an event with alcohol, this is an event without alcohol, and helping them to understand why we're doing that. And with our church as well, we've talked about alcohol quite a lot at, at different points. Because again, it's about crossing the barrier. So we've got a number of Asians in our church, um, many from India, who are anti-alcohol. <laughs> but what we've had to do is win them first. So when they come round to my house for dinner, you know, the slur comes out, not the bottle of wine. I hide it in the cupboard. Because if the first thing they see when they come to the pastor's house is wine on the table... They won't come back again. They will reject me. But once I win them in relationship, then they will understand it. So I think you need to say to church, okay, we're going to have a social. Um, this one's non-alcohol. This one's alcohol. And that, that's literally what we've had to do. So we've had, we've had socials at our church building where we had a bar. And we've had socials, the same social the year after, no bar. And we've told people why we've done that. And I think that's what we've done. So in my church, one of the things I learned very quickly on 
uh, I never wear shirts apart from on a Sunday. And the reason I started wearing shirts on a Sunday is we had a, it was a really weird experience. We've got a number of internationals in our church. Uh, mainly we started with refugees. And, but we used to have lots of professional, uh, people working from different parts of Africa in, in the city, doctors, pharmacists. They used to come on a Sunday and I used to see enjoying, in enjoying it. We'd, and I thought, great, thank you, Lord, you know. But we'd never see them again, and I couldn't understand it. One day, somebody like John came in. <laughs> and uh, came week after week, I thought, this guy's different. And I said to him, when, he said to me one day, he said, pastor, which I hate being called, but another cultural thing I've had to overcome. He said, pastor, he said, can I sit with you in the office? So we talked for two hours. And he said, can I talk to you about a few things about the culture of your church? And he said, do you know what people say about your church. I think, oh, what do they say? He said, uh, the pastor's very scruffy and I wouldn't trust him. And I said, why is that? He said, because you don't wear a shirt or a tie. And I thought, yeah, but that's religious. You know, that's a religious thing that you wear a shirt and you look smart. He said, no, no, in lots of African cultures, wearing a shirt is a sign of respect. The doctor wears it, the solicitor. It's showing that you respect the people and they respect you because you look a bit smarter. So from that day on, went to the elders meeting, and I said, elders and our worship leaders, you have to wear a shirt on a Sunday. And by the way, we're not having flip-flops in worship leaders wearing flip-flops because we want to reach the culture. So then what began to happen is we began to have professionals coming to the church who stayed from different nations. It's like, hallelujah, all because I was willing to wear a shirt, which I hate wearing. And I've only got three shirts, so the church see the same shirt. They must think, but I'm not going to buy any more shirts than that, because I only wear them once a week on the Sunday. But again, it's about breaking that culture and saying, I'm going to step into that culture to win people. Somebody right at the back waving, yeah? Okay, that's a very good question. Going on to that, okay, by, by trying to reach certain cultures, going to alien others, and I say, hallelujah, let's do it. Because what I am in, I'm intentional about reaching cultures. And if the, the predominant culture doesn't like it, I don't care. That's what I say, I'm intentional. So in my church, I want it to be a multicultural church, because I believe that reflects heaven, because that's biblical culture. So by putting on a shirt, I don't care. Now actually, people in Hull, they're not that bothered whether I shirt or t-shirt. If I put on a tie, I think that would alienate people. So I'm not going that far. Do you know what I mean? So I've compromised. So I'm not going to wear a, sh- I'm not going to wear a suit. But what I will do is wear a shirt. So actually, it's irrelevant. And actually, what happened was, lots of the older people in our church said, Oh, Steve, you look really smart. <laughs> you know, and then older people start, you know, started coming in. And, you know, they'd say, Oh, you look really smart. You know, and it's suddenly... You're breaking the culture. I still don't sing hymns, though. That's one of the things I haven't laid down yet. Okay, we're going to finish there. If you want to stay around for a few minutes, ask some questions to John and myself, please do do, do that. Thank you so much for coming, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, the camp. I think 90, degree, 90 miles an hour winds, I think, tonight. So, batten down the hatches. Do hang around and chat. Thank you for coming.